Hey there, I'm Tyler Morrison from Paola Adventist Church, where we declare the gospel of freedom to God's sons and daughters every single week because it's absolutely changed our lives. We can't stop, won't stop, and now you're here to listen. So here we go. Today's message is entitled, Unwanted Gifts. Unwanted Gifts. You've all heard of Black Friday, yes? You know Black Friday is the busiest shopping day of the year. Many stores get their um, entire year's revenue on Black Friday. But did you know what the second busiest shopping day of the year is? It's the day after Christmas. See, it's that day where all the gifts bought on Black Friday are uh, opened. And then uh, people say, oh, thank you so much. And as soon as the people leave, they say, we're taking this back. Uh, Wait, 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 wait. We appreciate the thought, but this is just not something we really wanted. How many of you have ever gotten an unwanted gift? Uh, Be honest. Let me see your hands. Come on. Got a few of you. Uh, How many of you have taken them back? How many of you have ever taken that unwanted gift back only to find out later that you actually really wanted it or needed it? No? Happened to me more than a few times. Unwanted gifts. There's a Christmas story that I want to bring out and walk us through that deals with unwanted gifts. It's found in the book of Luke. The... um, And we're going to be reading in the first chapter. We're going to be reading the story of 26 through 45. But a little um, backup to the the Luke story. Uh, In Matthew, we find the gospel opens up with not the story of uh, the angel coming to Mary. Uh, That's where most people open the story in Matthew, the Christmas story. The angel Gabriel coming to Mary and say, "Uh, Greatly are you among all women. uh, but, but, But Matthew actually opens it up. Uh, with the genealogy of Christ. And when we open the genealogy of Christ, we find the names of four women. It's not uncommon for Jewish scholars, uh, when they're telling a biography, to list the genealogy first, to prove that the person had connections uh, beyond the exile. Because a lot of the connections were lost after they got exiled to Babylon. And so when they came back, a lot of people were trying to claim to be Jewish to get land. And they were saying, no, you weren't part of us. You have to prove your genealogy. And so genealogies became very important. But here's the thing. While the genealogies became very important, they were important only as much as your male line led you back to uh, Abraham. They didn't really care about the female line. Maybe, maybe, if it was a great female, they'd put the name in there. Maybe if Esther were one of the people in the genealogy, or Deborah were one of the people in the genealogy. But very rarely, Jesus Christ, in his genealogy, mentions four women. Okay? Now, who are these great four women? Well, there is first Rahab, who is in... uh, the town of Jericho. Yes, the walls came tumbling down. She was in the town of Jericho. Anybody know what Rahab's uh, job was? Rahab's job. What was Rahab's job? Do you know? Prostitute. Very good. And not only was she a prostitute, but she was good at her job. She had great location. She had the connection to the king. She was a good prostitute. She was a, a popular prostitute. She's in the name genealogy of Jesus Christ. The second woman in the name of gene- genealogy of Christ is, anybody know? Ruth. Ruth, Ruth was a Moabitess. 
They gave their children to the flame. They were also descendants of Lot's two daughters who tricked him to sleep together so they could have kids. And, and the Bible's a great book, guys. Um, Ruth, this Moabitess, this uh, detestable to the Jews in the genealogy of Christ. And then after Ruth, oh, even before uh, I, I mentioned, I, I forgot the very first one, Tamar. Tamar, good old Tamar. Tamar was um, um, Judah uh, gave birth, uh, had a child with Tamar, and that started the line of Jesus Christ uh, from the uh, Abraham seed. Uh, Tamar, though, was not uh, Judah's wife. Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law, who his son died, and so she dressed up like a prostitute. She wasn't an actual prostitute, she dressed up like a prostitute, tricked her father-in-law to sleeping with her, and then had a baby. These are the women. Oh, and the final one uh, is the Grand Duchess of them all. Um, not mentioned by name, but uh, Uriah's wife, who we all know was Bathsheba. And Bathsheba was most famous for having the affair with David. Why in the world would Matthew include these four women in the genealogy of Christ? Because the genealogy is supposed to be filled with heroes of faith. And each of these four women were a hero of faith. Not because of their past, but in spite of, not even in spite of their past, okay? But through their past, God was able to use them to bring about the coming of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what our past looks like. It doesn't matter the fallings that we have. All that matters is that it leads to Jesus. In fact, we shouldn't try and hide our past like so many tend to do. But we should be proud of where Jesus brought us from and what he does through it. And that's one of the reasons Matthew uses the genealogy of Christ. Because that genealogy leads right not into Joseph, okay, the story of Joseph, but that genealogy leads right into the story of Mary, who because she was willing to bring forth a Savior, Jesus Christ, her reputation was thrown in with these other women. But because she was willing to do that, she has become a hero of faith. We want to read the story of Mary, and we're going to read also of her cousin Elizabeth. Luke, the second chapter, starting in verse 1. Um, one uh, starting in verse 26, sorry. In the sixth month... God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth. In the sixth month, in the sixth month, uh, uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth in the Galilee to a virgin, to a what church? Virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went up to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, No, 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 don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him a throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. And Mary said, Whoa, uh, un momento. One second, please. How can this be? Everybody say, how can this be? How can this be, Mary asked, since 
little technical point, I am a virgin. Now, they didn't have a uh, you know, biology class in you know, ancient uh, Nazareth, uh, but, 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 but they didn't know how babies were made. And she has a hubby, uh, not a hubby, a fiancé. They both love each other. They have not been with each other because they're you know, good Judaites. And now she has to go to her fiancé and say, hey, hun, guess what? Blessings! God has come upon me! And I have a child! Isn't that wonderful news? She knew how he would react. Let's be honest, guys. We'd react the same way. Continuing on. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Who, church? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You are small, but the shadow of the power of God is great. So, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child, and she is old. Now, you know you got to be old when a millennium-year-old angel said, Elizabeth, she's old, okay? Old Elizabeth is also going to have a child. She who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. By the way, if you don't have this text right here tattooed upon your heart, I invite you to do so this week. May it be to me, as you have said, these are the words of every true servant of God. We're going to talk about that today. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town of the hill country of Judea, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leaped for joy in the womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, Mary. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would do what he said he would do. Father, we ask that you speak to us today. We ask that your spirit fill us and guide us and let us know that nothing is impossible with you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. There are three gifts that Mary and Elizabeth received. Three, some would say, unwanted gifts for many people. Okay? That we can also receive. That may be unwanted at first, but if we hold on to them, we will find them to be a blessing. The first is the gift of bad timing. The gift of what? The second is the gift of impossibility. The gift of what? And finally, it's the gift of brokenness. The gift of brokenness. Let's, um, before we go on, a uh, quick story about Maynard. You don't mind if I tell you a story about Maynard, do you? You like Maynard? My cousin Maynard. Maynard, uh, for those of you who haven't heard yet, uh, Maynard is my Portuguese cousin uh, living on Maui, which is the land of the Portuguese. Um, most of the Portuguese, when they came from Portugal, they went to Maui because that was where the whaling villages were, and then eventually the sugarcane plantations. And so Maui has a great many Portuguese. Many of the Portuguese, however, are also Portuguese. 
And the Portuguese is not quite the brightest person in the world. Let's be honest. Not all Portuguese are, are Portuguese of Portuguese, but um, yeah, anyway. So Maynard, the Portuguese, uh, wakes up one morning and his wife says, Honey, I got you a gift, okay? I know you don't like read, but I read the most beautiful story in the world. It's full of interesting characters and great plots. It, I left a book for you on the counter. It's my gift for you. So Maynard goes out there, says, ah, I'll try him out. Grabs the book starts reading through it and about three hours later he comes in he throws the book in the trash can and says this is the most boring book i ever read in my life how can you tell me there's just so many names i can't keep track of all of them and addresses and everything i can't follow and she goes over but it was such a good book and she picks up the book out of the trash can and she goes maynard you baboose this is the telephone book How many times the gifts we receive are only unwanted because we don't realize the way they're supposed to be used? The gift of bad timing. The gift of bad timing. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. By the way, I do have handouts that, um, because apparently if you come to this church and preach nowadays, you have to use handouts. And so, no, no, you can still have handouts. These are after service handouts, okay? Uh, I do I do it a little differently. But uh, just, just uh, we have handouts. So Tyler said, you can't preach in your pulpit if you don't have handouts. So I said, all right, man, I'll bring your handouts. So we got some handouts for you guys uh, to contemplate on from this sermon when you leave. Uh, the first is the gift of bad time. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. If you, you turn there, I'm going to read that in just a bit. Think about how bad the timing was for Mary. God gifted Mary with a child, and every one of us who has been gifted with a child knows that that child, it's a blessing from God, okay? But here's the thing. She was gifted with a child in a bad time, before her wedding. God also gifted Elizabeth with a child, praise God, but God gifted Elizabeth with a child in her old age, okay? And I don't know about any of you guys, Okay, but I know one thing for sure about having kids. It's a young person's game. My brother got married like three years after I was when I was his age. He was like 32 when he got married. I said, bro, you got to get on those kids. I'm telling you, it's a young man's game. He's ah, oh, we got time. He was 36 when he had twin boys. When people meet us at the same time, they are astonished to know that I'm the older brother by four years because he is ragged kids suck the life out of you god bless them we love them all oh, the precious of them. but i'm telling you it's a young man's game and elizabeth she's planning retirement she her and her hubby they're going to be going off on a cruise to the you know middle east or mediterranean you know down the tarshish they're gonna have a good time and now she has a baby bad timing but it was the bad timing for both of them that saved the world. God often blesses us when it's a bad time for us. Uh, uh, Lord, I, I like your blessing, but I'm single right now. Could you come back and give me this blessing when after I'm married? Uh, I got a family and my family's a little young, so we're not quite ready for this blessing yet. It's a bad time for us. Uh, I just got a promotion, Lord, so I'd like to engage in what you've called me to do, but it's really just a bad time for me right now. Too often we miss 
unexpected gifts from God because it's a bad time for us. Too often when the gifts come to us, they are unwanted by God because of the bad timing. But often the bad timing is part of the gift itself. See, in his timing, he does two things. He glorifies himself and he helps us prioritize him. He glorifies himself in helping us to realize that it's not our timing that's important, but it's God's timing. It's his timing that draws us to him. Uh, one of the blessings that this church has received this year is the blessing of ministry from Morgan and Tyler. Amen? Amen. But do you know that when they got called to come here, it was a bad time for them? They had already made up their mind that they were moving to Florida. Morgan's dear family. I think they, they said they're not here today because the sister's sick, so keep her in your purse. But I think they're really not here because they hate me. That's what I'm thinking. Okay? They had already prepared the rooms. They had made the meals that were ready to receive them. They were so excited. And the such a bad time to get called somewhere else. But in that bad timing, we found a blessing. God blessed Elizabeth when she was old so that the world would know that his hand was on the baby that was born. It was the bad timing that made it a miracle. Mary, could have asked God, hey God, can you give me this baby after the wedding? But God said, I have to give it to you in bad timing so that you will know that I'm the one that did it. So when you have doubts, you will know that I'm the one that put my hand upon you and gave you the power. So that when you are tempted to falter in your faith, you will remember that this gift is not from anyone else, but it is from me. Bad timing also, again, prioritizes what's important in our lives. When God calls you to do something, you say, whoa, whoa, whoa but God, not, not right now. It's bad timing for me. Ask yourself this. Is it bad timing or is it just inconvenient for what you got going on? Is the thing that's making it bad timing a thing that you need to deprioritize in your life. Now, most of you youngins, uh, these front row people here, they're not going to understand this statement. But some of our back row folks uh, my age are going to understand. When my dad first tried to do Bible studies, he couldn't do it on Thursday nights in the late 80s, early 90s. Do you know why he couldn't do it on Thursday nights, late 80s, early 90s? Must see TV. Okay, had Seinfeld going, oh, Cosby Show, going into Seinfeld, going into Friends. Hey, yeah, sorry, Pastor, we just can't make it. It's bad timing for us. You know, some of us have got our lives so chock full of junk that anytime God calls us to something, it's bad timing. Question I have for you today is what do you need to cut out of your schedule? in order to hear and use the gift that God is trying to give you today. See, here's the awesome thing about God. 
God doesn't check the schedule of his followers to see if it's good for them. God doesn't need to ask your permission to call you to something. Okay? Because when we say we are followers of God, it means that any time he calls is the right time. Any time he brings the blessing is the right time. Any time he brings the pain is the right time. Now, I should probably ask this first. Do I have any followers of God in this place? So if we have a couple followers of God, the truth is here. Your timing, your schedule, your calendar doesn't matter. His is what is important. As followers of the Most High, we live on a divine calendar, a heavenly calendar. It's different from we, we got. See, bad timing of God gifts forces us to cut out the things that aren't important, the things that are keeping us from His plan and follow Him. Can't tell you how many times I've missed the gifts of God because of bad timing. I remember when I was, um, oh, about 18, 19, just after high school, I uh, started really getting into fashion. Yeah, I thought, oh, I'm going to be dapper in Hawaii, <laughs> wear a jacket all the time. I'm cool. Uh, and, and, and I got a buddy who um, at the same time said, hey, we, uh, we, we got a job. I uh, heard you, you're looking for some work. I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for some work. He's all, we, we need to clear out this warehouse. And, 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 and I'm going to call you on uh, Sunday and you're going to help clear out the warehouse. I'm like, yeah, that's great. I, I can help you. No, no problem. I mean, that's good. Uh, well, uh, the night before the Sunday came, I was uh, out all night uh, doing things that, you know, I was old enough and big enough to do. Just, you know, didn't get in until after the sun rose. Okay. And, and my head hit the pillow about 5.45. At 6 o'clock, the phone rang. Okay. Yeah. And I picked it up, it was my buddy, he's like, hey, uh, yeah, I'm ready to come by and pick you up, you know, to, to go do this thing. I'm like, oh, dude, uh, um, it's bad time right now for me, I'm sorry, I, I can't do this. All. Bro, you, you said that I could count, I said, I know, I know, but it's just, it, it's a bad time, it's a bad time. He said, all right, all right, man, oh, well, well, we'll get someone else. He got someone else. Turns out the factory they went to was the Polo factory, Ralph Lauren Polo factory. Okay, it's sort of a big deal amongst uh, fashionistas and stuff. And, and, and all the stuff they were moving out, they were giving, uh, they had tons of old shirts and ties and, and jackets and pants and all stuff that they were saying, hey, you know what, just take it because we're going to get rid of it anyway. Uh, not only that, but the guy they got to help him, uh, a couple of weeks after that, they gave him a job at the polo store with a 50% discount. I applied for that job. And they were like, yeah, we need somebody a little bit more reliable. What was a blessing with God was bad timing to me, and I missed out. And that's just a minor thing. That's a manini thing. That's small. Many, many times I've missed out times with my kids, uh, strengthening my marriage, growing my churches because it's been a bad time. On the flip side, though, flip side, I can't tell you how many of the unexpected gifts I've received 
because I was able to reprioritize myself and say, you know, Lord, it don't look good for me now, but you're calling. I'm going to answer. I stand here today as a preacher because I answered one of those bad timing calls. Imagine what God can do if you give up your calendar and let Him bless you in the way He's wanting and desperate to bless you. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says this. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the time was right for God, God sent His Son to be born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of children. Because you are children of God, sent through the Holy Spirit, who has come into our hearts. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what's going on in your lives today, but receive the gift of bad time. Don't take it back. Point number two. It's the gift of impossibility. The gift of impossibility. The angel came to Mary with gift that she'd be a mother of God, but again, she was a virgin. It seemed impossible to her. I mean, science don't make it so. Don't understand this. But he said, don't worry about it because the Holy Spirit will do what? Overshadow you. He will come upon you. He will do mighty things in you. Just like Elizabeth. Do you know that God has called each and every one of you, each and every one of you, each and every one of you to do mighty things in Him? To do powerful things. And not just that, to do the impossible. You see, the problem with Christianity today is that we are okay doing the possible for God. But we forgot that we serve an impossible God. A God who calls us to do the impossible. I praise God that He calls me to do things bigger than me. Amen? Because if I were called to do things that were just average, well then I'd start getting and starting to think that, hey, you know what? I'm pretty good. I'm getting this done. But God is not no ordinary God. He is a God who specializes in the impossible. Somebody say impossible today. Have you ever felt like Mary though? How can this be? How can I bring sight to the blind, healing to the infirmed, when I myself am infirmed and blind? How can this be? And you understand, God, I just lost my job. How can this be? How can I be a blessing to anybody else? I have no education. Okay? I can't even understand the words exactly when I read them in the Bible. That makes sense to me. How can, how can you want me to tell someone about you? Do you know most of the people that Jesus Christ called were illiterate? And they set the world on fire? God doesn't call you to do the possible. He calls you to do the impossible. Because he's the one who's going to do it in you. If you are in a season in your life where God has placed the impossible before you, praise God because it means he's about to place the imp impotent, omnipotent within you. I had a hard time getting that out. I'm going to try that again. If you are at a season in your life where God has placed the impossible before you, it means that He's about to place the 
omnipotent within you. Okay. I believe in the God who spoke the world into existence in seven days. How about you? See, I believe into a God who, to save the world, destroyed the world, but kept it alive through one family on the ark. I believe in a God who called an old man and a barren woman to bear a nation in their loins. I believe in a God who does the impossible. And not just in this book, but in this one as well. Anybody here today can testify that God has ever done the impossible in your life. If you can, let me hear you say amen. Well then, if you are at a place and stage right now where you're facing down the impossible, remember that if he's done it before, brothers and sisters, he can do it again. And if you are one of those people who have yet to experience God doing the impossible in your life, two things. One, you ain't looking hard enough. And two, get excited. Because God's about to do a powerful thing in you. He's about to strengthen your faith. He's about to grow your spirit. He's about to let you know that nothing is impossible with Him. Because if He brought you to it, guess what, church? He's going to bring you through it. God shows us and others how he's doing the impossible in them as well. Mary was pointed to Elizabeth as proof that God could do what he said he could do. See, sometimes when we go through the impossible, it is a blessing. It is a, a, a way that we uplift others and show them the power of God. Sometimes we're Mary needing to see him working in others. Sometimes we're Elizabeth, proof that God can use the barren to bring life. But this place right here, Haula Seventh-day Adventist Church, these hearts right here, this is a house of the impossible. Luke 18.27 says this, What is impossible with man Never let the impossible keep you from doing what you have been called to do, from being gifted by God. You will find out, you will find out very quickly in your lives that impossible ain't nothing for God. Impossible ain't nothing for God. You'll also find out something too. The things you think were impossible were actually just uh, inconvenient. Things you thought were impossible were just actually difficult, okay? You know, we use the way, word impossible way too often. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I, I think God looks at me when I say, but Lord, that's impossible. How am I going to do that? It's impossible. You know, the way I look at my, my daughter uh, when she was like four and I asked her to clean her room, you know? I walk into it, and, 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 and what I think was impossible was how she got it that messy. You know? Walk into a room, it's like, honey, call the police. We've been robbed. But just in this room, they ransacked the place. It's like, it's like a tornado came through the room and then the Tasmanian devil decided to finish the job. So I come and say, Sophie, baby, yes, daddy. And, you know, she's always such a pleasant, you know, I mean, 
just you guys don't know Sophie that well, but she's always just beaming. It's happy, just happy go lucky girl until you ask her to clean her room. It's like, Sophie, baby, can you can you can you come? Yes, Daddy. Baby, I need you to do me a favor. Anything for you, Daddy. I need you to clean this room. I know it's again, Daddy. It's too hard. It's new. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'll be like, baby, no, you made the mess. You can clean it up. No, it's too hard. No. Cries and screams, makes a complete fool of herself. And she makes him fool of me because I'm saying there's like, I said clean this room, get in there, clean this room. See, it got hard for her once grandma left because grandma would come over and she's like, grandma, grandma will help you clean her room. Sophie go play in another room and grandma will clean the whole room up. But when grandma left, she had to start taking responsibility. So I put the timer on and said, I'll tell you what, Sophie, she loves her stuffed animals. I'd say, I'm going to put the timer on for an hour. If this room isn't clean in an hour, uh, for every... Five minutes after that, I'm throwing away one of your stuffed animals. Cool, Dad, I know. You'd be surprised what she got done! Crying the whole way, I can't do it, I can't do it! And then finally, at the end of the hour, the timer's going off, Dad comes into the room, guess what? It's done! I think that's how God looks at me. I need you to do this now. I can't, Lord, it's too impossible. Just, just do the thing I've called you to do. If we but just step forward, just step forward into what we think is impossible, we'll find out it really wasn't that big a deal. And once we get used to the uncomfortable and the uh, inconvenient and the improbable, well then we're ready and God's going to be able to use you to do the true impossible in Him. Hold on to the impossible today. Claim it. Use it. Finally. Finally today. Don't give back the gift of brokenness. Don't give back the gift of brokenness. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10. In this story we have, find Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was shunned because of her brokenness. And that society... It was a horrible time. Women only had value as childbearers. I'm glad that, at least in this country, we've kind of moved a little bit past that. But women only had value if they could bear children. If they couldn't bear children, well then they were obviously cursed by God. Many felt God had an issue with Elizabeth. like, well, you know, she is married to one of the priests of the church. Now, obviously, there's a problem going on here that she's holding on to. But here's the thing I want you to understand. God did not make Elizabeth worthy through John the Baptist. She had his favor the whole time. John the Baptist came to Elizabeth for other people to see that she had his favor. So they could get it through their heads that she was always worthy. Don't look at what you're missing in life to see if you have God's favor, to see if He has blessed you, to see if you have a gift from God. You may think that your brokenness means that you don't have His favor on you. But the good news I've got for you is that not only do you have it, you've got it in spades. 
because God specializes in using broken people to show His great power. I love the creation story. You love the creation story? God could have come anywhere to create the world, you know? He could have found the plant that He had already put into existence, spinning along that was already nice and well-formed. But He came into a place, and look at the language He uses when He, he comes before what He's going to make this Eden garden with, this paradise. He says, uh, God comes before the Lord, and it is barren and without form, formless and empty, broken. But what did God do? What did God do before this empty, broken mess with darkness hovering over it? He spoke. He spoke life into this thing. He spoke light into this thing. He spoke power into this thing. And he used the brokenness to show how beautiful he could be. And he turned this barren thing into this beautiful thing that grew life and finally brought forth Jesus Christ. And he wants to do the same in your brokenness today if you let him. To use your brokenness to show the glory of Jesus Christ. Not just to you, but to all of the other broken people out there. See, I think it was without coincidence that the angel pointed Mary to Elizabeth. Because this thing, this thing that, that the angel spoken to her, she could start believing that, you know, I, did the angel really say that? Did I just make that up? What's going on here? That I don't know if I can get through this. I, you know, is, is this really going on? And so she goes to Elizabeth, someone who has experienced barrenness and brokenness and disgrace her whole life. And the first thing Elizabeth says as she walks through the door is, praise God, God has done a mighty thing in you. This thing that people are going to scorn you for, this thing that people are going to say is uh, your brokenness is actually a blessing from God and God's going to use it to change the world in a mighty way. Your brokenness can be a blessing to others if you show them how God has filled it to make it beautiful for you. See, you can't look at your brokenness to determine if God loves you. Romans 5.10 says what? Our boy Tyler knows. Romans 5.10 says, While we were still sinners, while we were still broken, we were still enemies of God, He loved us so much that He sent Jesus to die for us, lay Himself out on the cross, It's a hard gift for the true one. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10 says this. This is Paul talking about his brokenness. We're going to end on this. It 
to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. When Paul talks about flesh, almost exclusively he talks about uh, spiritual condition, um, brokenness. A thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace, everybody say grace, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in brokenness. For when I am weak, then, then I am strong. Hold on to your brokenness, give it to Jesus Christ, and watch what he does for it in you today. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us gifts that most of the people in the world will return, but that we can hold on to and be blessed by you because of it. And not just blessed, but bless the world around us. We thank you for the gift of bad timing in our life that helps us prioritize. We thank you for the gift of the impossible, which shows us your power in using ones like us. And we thank you for the gift of your brokenness, which shows us your love. Please guide us and be with us throughout this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Tyler again, and I just wanted to say thanks for listening. If you learned something or were challenged and encouraged, uh, make sure to subscribe and share this with someone else. We'd love for you to join us for one of our Saturday morning services. And if you'd like more material on today's topic, email us at haulasda at gmail.com.